All right. So last week we finished chapter 7. Not last week, we had Schwartz, but two weeks ago, last time we had class, we finished chapter 17, right? And chapters 16 and 17 basically said, what tool should you use to increase your love and awe of Hashem? Meditation. Meditation. You should go think about Hashem. Okay. Now, chapter 18 starts off and said, I'm just going to jump into the text. Remember on the title page it said that the entire Sefer Shobainim is based on the Pasuk We're going to ask now what does it mean not only that Torah is near to you but it's very near to you You have to know something for sure even somebody whose mind is not equipped to understand the greatness of Hashem, even to manage to muster some Tvunais, remember that term we learned in 16 and 17, the Tvunais? Nevertheless, even if you can't do that, which was described in which chapters? Even if you can't manage to muster the Tvunais, which was described in what chapters? 16, 16, 16, 16, 16, 16, 16, 16, 16 right? And 17. 17. Even if that method will not work for you, it is still very close to you, accessible to you. Very so. To keep all the mitzvahs in the Torah, including constant Torah study. Both in your mouth and in your heart. From the depths of your heart. Truly. With love and awe. And this is the premise of chapter 18. Someone who cannot manage to successfully implement 16 and 17 for whatever reason. Or I might even say someone who is in the midst of implementing 16 and 17 and it hasn't fully kicked in yet. You haven't yet seen the results of meditation. Which are again, I want to just make sure everyone gets this. I know I'm belaboring the point, but the point of meditation is what? To develop love and all, right? It's not relaxation. It's not, I don't know, what a mindfulness. It's to... Hamidus Hain Toilus Chabad. Emotions are babies of the intellect. We cogitate on subjects which bring us to an emotional connection to Hashem. So, if you're not able to create sufficient love and awe of God through meditation, nevertheless, we have a method for you through which perfect adherence to Torah mitzvahs, and not just behaviorally, but also the in your heart, emotional congruence to the behaviors, is accessible. Very accessible. You following what's happening here? Not really. Not really. Now I'm going to stop you. You just said, even though you can't feel a very strong love and awe. No, that's what it said in 16 and 17. That even though you can't feel a very strong love and awe through meditation, you can still manage to generate enough of a love and an awe through meditation. This is saying even more. And what if you can't even do that? Look in the words, what he said, that you can't even bring out the tvunais. You can't even do that! And nevertheless, we will still insist that observance of the entire Torah, including constant Torah study, for a man, obviously, the obligation to constantly study Torah is gender-specific. It's for men. That perfect adherence to the Torah is 
not only doable, but it's very doable. Karev ma'ayd, very, very near to you. Even if you can't do 16 and 17. Now you're following? Yeah. Okay, all right, let's, let's get it. He didn't tell you the method yet. He made a claim. Yeah, I don't know what the method is. He just he taught me a method in the previous two chapters, and he said, "Well, what if it's not working for me? Not that it doesn't work; it works. But what if it's not working for me? Maybe I'm not smart enough." He said, "Somebody whose mental capacity is not sufficient. He's not able to generate." love and awe, even tvunais love and awe through meditation. So is there anything that that person can do? So he says, yes, there is. I want to tell you something. When I taught Tanya the last time here, we, went, we did not learn inside, we did not do the text. I would give it over outside, as we call it. There's inside, there's outside. I know, for people who don't have a yeshiva background, it's like, what is inside and outside? You like went, went outside. Inside means text-based. Outside means non-text-based. So when I gave over, not from the text last time, I did 18 through 25 in one class. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. No, it was a normal length class. There's a reason why I did 18 through 25 in one class. Yeah, and if you look in the Tanya map, it's all one color. Eighteen through twenty-five is a multi-stepped <coughs> argument. And if you don't know what the point of it is. There are several places where it's extremely easy to lose the plot. I'm going to bang it into your heads over and over again to the point of annoyance what the point of each step in the argument is so that we don't lose the plot. But I just want to tell you there is a way of presenting this, and this is actually the way that I presented it last time, where I just take 18 through 25, I just. Are you going to tell us the plot? I'm going to tell you the plot so many times that you're going to tell me to stop doing it. <laughs> Have you told it yet? No. No. <laughs> Are you annoyed yet? Because I am, but <laughs> I want to know if you're annoyed. I shouldn't be the only annoyed person. It should be reciprocal. <laughs> okay. The plot is like this. <coughs> the Alter Rebbe is going to share with you a tool that you can use to get yourself emotionally congruent with your perfect behaviors. Now, how to get perfect behaviors? That I know from chapter 12. Force yourself. But I want to get emotionally congruent. I want to get emotionally congruent with my behaviors. Now, I know I have a tool for that, 16 and 17, which is meditate. But it's not working for me. So do you have something else that could also get me emotionally congruent with my behaviors? He says, yeah, 18 through 25. 18 through 25 is a method for getting emotionally congruent with my, be my behaviors that will not require the kind of a, a, a mental focus and capacity that is inherently required by the, methods of 16, the method of 16 and 17. No, no one complements the other. <coughs> you don't do one instead of the other. In fact, I would say, remember I was saying before, even if this, the way that the Altadeba phrases it is somebody for whom 16 and 17 doesn't work. I say it could be someone for whom it doesn't work or for so, someone for whom he's in the midst of the process it hasn't worked yet. So while you're working on your 16 and 17, you have 18 through 25 as your backup. But if 
person who meditation works well, that they don't really need to go through that. that well, that's a wonderful question. Well, if somebody who was successful right away with 16 and 17 would have any need for 18 through 25, I could argue both ways. I'm not sure. I could, I could definitely make an argument both ways. What if you're successful without the meditation? Is that okay? You're successful without the meditation? Right. Successful at what? Yeah, maybe you're a tzaddik. <laughs> maybe it was a matona. No, if you think that, say, you, you meet somebody who's not like exactly right you whatever, but you're thinking about the neshama and where it comes from. Yeah, but there are mitzvahs that everyone's a tzaddik for. Everyone has a mitzvah or a few mitzvahs that you're a tzaddik about. But this would have to be something that characterizes your entire relationship with Hashem. So every mitzvah you naturally react to it in this way would have to be what you're describing. Is the goal of 18 to 25 to get us to 16 and 17 in terms of the law of Well, one way you could put, put it, well, okay, maybe I, th I think I'm understanding what you're saying. The goal of 16 and 17 is the same goal as 18 through 25, which is love and awe so that your emotions are congruent with your behaviors. They're just two different ways of reaching that state. I also think it's very important to emphasize, because I don't think I emphasized it earlier, when I could have, but I'll take the opportunity now, to point out that the Alter Rebbe is not satisfied with merely giving you a tool for behavioral perfection and then not addressing your emotional issues. He could do that. He could tell you, who told you it was supposed to be fun? This is what you've got to do. You're a Jew. This is your job. Go do it. I'm sorry if you hate it. He doesn't say that. He says, we want to get you emotionally congruent with the behaviors. Yeah, you have to do it even if you hate it. But why should that be where you stop? Why should you stop with that? You may have to start with that. You have to do it even if you hate it. But that shouldn't be where you stop. You should come to love it, or at least appreciate it. Wait one second. I want you to understand why that's important. First of all, I wanted you to understand that it's important. Now I want you to understand why it's important. Why is it important? Two reasons. One reason is because if you just keep hating it and the only tool you have is forcing yourself, there are many risks involved in that. Either eventually you're going to give up, you're going to give up, you're going to just get tired of it. Or maybe even a worse risk, you're going to walk around as a walking Chilol Hashem because you're going to just continue hating it and everyone's going to look at you and say, oh, that's how you feel when you live up to the standards of Torah and Mitzvahs. So it's not really very practical. It's not viable. It's not a long-term way of life to just continue doing it without any emotional alignment to it. You have to get emotionally aligned or bad things are going to happen. So that's one reason why it's important. Another reason why it's important <coughs> is a little bit more lofty, but I think you can handle it, is, well, why would you hold out on Hashem? Why would you tell Hashem, you have my behaviors, leave me alone. Why do you want my emotions too? Imagine a husband tells his wife, Hey, it's enough, I did what you asked. I have to also like it. Now, to make a counter-argument, there is something precious in doing something that you don't like just because someone you care for has asked you to do it. That's beautiful. From time to time. <laughs> so, we do that for Hashem all the time. You know, there are there are always going to be things for which we have to have Kabbalah Soil Malchus Shemayim. There are always going to be things left that we just have to force ourselves to do. So we're always going to have that Nasev Anishma aspect of the relationship. But that shouldn't characterize the entirety of the relationship. There should be some things with which we are 
mostly emotionally aligned so that we can say to Hashem, no, 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 I actually want to do this. I'm enjoying this. So that's what we're trying to do now. <coughs> we're trying to get ourselves emotionally aligned with the behaviors that we're committed to anyway. We're already behaviorally committed. Now we're trying to get emotionally aligned with it. So one, mo um, one method of getting emotionally aligned is to meditate and produce the uh, the Yiddah, the love and awe, to get yourself emotionally aligned. That's one method. But if you can't manage that, or you're waiting for that to kick in, I have another method which will also produce emotions that will get you emotionally aligned with the behaviors. Yeah? Well, is the love love of Hashem? Yes, the love is love of Hashem. It's not and therefore, I will do what my beloved wants. Exactly. Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah. If chapter 16 and 17 and chapters 18 to 25 are complementary, does yes. the fact that 18 to 25 take eight chapters to say it lend itself to more credence? Or more okay, so you're asking, that's a, that's a good question. How come 16 and 17 is two chapters and 18 through 25 is eight chapters? Well, first of all, you remember everyone was asking me 16 and 17, okay, I got to meditate. What do I meditate on? And I said, wait, we'll talk about it later. That's 41 through 50. So 41 through 50 is going to tell you what to meditate on. So the meditation chapters are also long, maybe even longer than the... And those chapters apply to both 16 no. through 25? No, that's what I'm saying to you. 18 through 25 is not meditation. But here's, here, let me give you a, a simpler answer. You want to hear something ironic? The Alter Rebbe doesn't call it this, but many Chassidim have a tradition that 16 through 17 is called the long way and 18 through 25 is called the short way. <laughs> so the long way is two chapters, the short way is eight chapters. You know why? Because the long way is easy to describe but takes a lifetime to implement. The short way is very hard to describe, but it's instantly implementable, if that's a word. 16 through 17 is very easy to describe the methodology. Go meditate. 18 through 25, as I told you, and I'm going to say again, is a multi-stepped process. And it is so multi-stepped that it is very easy to lose the plot. And I'm going to continually remind you of the point of these chapters as we go through them. In fact, I want to check in with you now. What is the point of 18 through 25? What's the goal? What are we trying to do? Love and awe, okay? And if you're going to be more specific, love and awe without, hmm? without meditation. Because why am I trying to achieve emotional congruence? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, one reason. So that I don't burn out, yeah. The second one is, why would you tell Hashem that all he can have from you is your behaviors? I know you're not a tzaddik. Tzaddik means Hashem has your behaviors, your emotions, all one package, equally. But as close as you can come to that, you should try to come to that. You should say to Hashem, I know that I can give you my behaviors even without giving you my emotions. In fact, not only I can do that, that's how I start. I start by doing things that I don't feel like doing. That's what Meich Shalat means, at least in chapter 12 when we introduced it. But I want to also give you my emotion. Like I told you, the husband who says to his wife, what do you care if I like it? What do you care if I feel for it? I did it. Are you enjoying yourself? No, but you told me to take you out for dinner, so I did it. How dare you judge me for not liking it? I did it. Well... You know, maybe taking out the garbage. I don't care if you like it. But this is something I would hope. I like. I would hope maybe something you would like. So you can't tell Hashem. I mean, you can, but it's not nice to tell Hashem. Look, I've given you my behaviors. 
I'm a Bainani. I'm doing everything you want. What do you care if I'm emotionally congruent with those behaviors? The answer is, what do you mean, what do I care? It's a relationship. And you should endeavor to give as much of yourself to Hashem as you can. Will you ever completely give Hashem your emotions? No, because if you could do that, you'd be a tzaddik. But you want to come as close as possible. Okay, what does that have to do with God? No, so it's... You try to and you cry. So what, but what does that have to do with God? Someone who's just generally emotional. So they get excited about everything. They'll get excited about God, they'll get excited about cake. I, yeah, I know the difference. This is God, this is a cake. But I'm crying about both of them. Godly cake. The whole Tanya is a short, long way. A long, short way, rather. Because it takes a long time to implement. But, if, I don't want to over-confuse you. But, if, you know, yeah, don't worry about it. Anyways, it's uh, the fifth time you learn Tanya, I'll tell you about it. Why yeah. isn't there a middle way? <laughs> this is the middle way. I thought you said it's the short way, the long way. The long, short way. Okay, let's not get confused. Let's continue. Yeah? I thought that meditation was with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, you're going to continue meditating. No one said to stop. Right. Why would you want to do that, though? Because they're not working yet. That's what I said. They're complementary. They're not mutually exclusive. Okay. You asked that, right? Do you stop? No, you don't stop doing 16 and 17. We're doing both. I don't know what's better. We try everything. We do everything. Okay. Let's learn this chapter. Here's the method for getting emotionally congruent with Torah observance that does not require meditation. And remember, this is a multi-stepped process. We will not finish the process today. We're going to learn one step, or even actually I would call this half a step today. Okay? The next eight weeks are going to be difficult. And you're going to want to distract me at every turn. And I'm not going to allow you to. You can, you can Wait, try. So how many steps are in the eight chapters? I, 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 I'm not sure. At least eight. At least, At least eight. <coughs> okay. Shehi, and this method is Ave Musuteris Shebelev Klalus Yisrael, the hidden innate love that's in the heart of every Jew. She Yerushalonim Aveseno, that we inherited from our Aves. So what is it? It's a latent love. How did you get it? You inherited it from the Aves. So instead of producing love through meditation, you're going to go into the attic and open up Grandma's chest that has the love that you inherited. You're not going to have to make any new love. You have pre-installed factory default setting love. A godly love. Yeah, of course. It's the love of God. Of course. Okay. Of course. It's the love of God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rak, however, here's the tricky part that's going to take eight chapters. We have to explain where does this love really come from and what is it? How is it an inheritance? And how does the love also have awe in it? Because you need both. You need love and awe. <coughs> so basically, you're not going to have to create a new emotion. You're going to go dust off the old emotions that are already there. But we're going to have to understand a lot about these <coughs> latent, innate emotions. 
in order to be able to effectively use them. The concept is the Aves, the patriarchs, were called the chariot, meaning to say that they were completely surrendered to God like a chariot is surrendered to the rider. It has no will of its own. They therefore merited, this is their merit, not your merit, they merited by being totally surrendered to Hashem to be able to bequeath to their descendants a holy soul, he calls it a nefeshuch neshama, uh, which comes from the Asir Sphiris of Kedusha, from one of the four worlds, either Atzilas, Bria, Yitzira, or Asiya. And there are different levels of that, but the, the bottom line is every descendant of the Aves, we're talking about every one that Halacha considers a Jew, has inherited from the Aves a certain type of spiritual energy. And it has in it this love. And even the lowest Jew, even a Jew of the lowest spiritual standing, has this holy soul, even a lower iteration of that holy soul, but they have this holy soul. He calls it Kal Shabakalam. Shehimadrega Tachtenish Bigdusha Soasia. But at the very least, they have a soul, even if it's from the lowest level in the lowest world, but it's it's a holy soul. And even though it's a low level. It's still one of the holy spheres, or contains within it, the, comes from the holy spheres. So it contains within it even the higher levels. Basically, even in the lowest level, the Malchus, the Malchus, Dasia is contained the highest level, the Chachma of Atzilos, which is united with the Infinite One Himself. V'nimtza, comes out, bottom line. Every Yid has within him the Infinite, which is invested in the Chachma Shebenefesh. This is an important point. The Chachma Shebenefesh. And this chachma spreads out over the entire person. Chachma enlivens the one who possesses it. Says in brackets, Sometimes the lowest of the low, spiritually, end up giving birth to children who are from very high levels and souls that were very lofty souls that were caught in the depths of Klippa and then they ended up being born to these people. The, the point of that brackets is just that yes, there are gradations of different types of spiritual levels within the Jewish people. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Yeah, the levels exist. We're not going to pretend they don't exist. But even with all the levels, there's a certain common denominator that is categorically identical in every single Jew and which also is category, categorically different about every single Jew than the Havdol, the rest of the world. And specifically, the word that we need to learn today is Chachma. 
Chachma. Now, Chachma is one of the ten spheroids, which is also one of the ten Koiches HaNefesh. We learned about it back in Peregimel. Chachma is the first of the spheroids and the first of the Koiches. And Chachma, for the purpose of this Perek, is the trait or the capacity within the soul, every Jewish soul, that is connected to the infinite. And if we can activate that capacity of Chachma, then we're good. You following? Okay. Chochma is not intellectual, it is pre-intellectual, but it is the source of the intellect. It's the source of understanding. Bina is real intellect. Bina is understanding. Chochma is higher than Bina. Chochma is pre-understanding. Call it even intuition or inspiration. They say Thomas Edison, when he wanted a new idea for an, in, uh, for an invention, he would take a nap with ball bearings in his hand and he had a steel bedpan next to him. And he would sit in a rocking chair and doze off and as he would fall asleep his hand would relax, the steel ball bearings would fall from his hand and they would clang in the steel bedpan. He would be jarred awake and he would have a new inspiration for an invention. Because the place where the invention ideas are is like you can't sit there and cogitate and come up with it. It's got to come from higher than intellect. What? Will that work for you? No, don't. The aha is when the higher than intellect enters the intellect. Eureka, as they say in Latin. Chochma is higher than intellect, but it is the source of intellect. It's the source to intellect. That's in fact what the word Chochma hints to. Kayach Ma. Chochma, four letters, is Kayach Ma. The power of what? What means the X factor, the unknown? The unknowable. That which is off the charts of cognition. That which is incomprehensible. Which cannot be grasped yet in intellect. That's why God is at home there, because God cannot be intellectually grasped. So you can use your intellect to think about Hashem, and you should use your intellect to think about Hashem, but really Hashem is above intellect, so, correspondingly, there's a place in you that's above intellect, which is much more at one with Hashem. Precognition. Intuition. That, so that we call that chokhmah. External? No, this is all internal. Why would you say External. Um, no, it's it's not a makif, but it's What's a makif? something that's external. Oh, oh. yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, trigger warning. By the way, I get hit on both ends. I, I, I just want you guys to know, I, I get emails and comments from people who are very, very uncomfortable with the fact that this is a women's class. I'm not joking. I think it triggers something in them. But, yeah, yeah, only men. Right. Um... No, a bunch, a bunch of different men. Uh, 
Um, the comments I got are like, I, I don't know, maybe they're upset that women are learning in general. No, but I, I the, the comments that I got were like, I don't know, I don't want to betray any confidential uh, correspondences. Yeah, okay. But at any rate, but, okay, so here, here's a trigger warning. What? You have all of these. You have, the, you have, of course, you have Chokhmah, you have Bina, you have Bina, you have Chokhmah. But you, you can have one without the other. No, you can't have one without the other. Right, okay. okay. So he says here, V'olochin kol Yisrael, afilu anoshim v'ame ha'aretz. Even the women and the ignorant folk. I'm going to explain it in a second. If you give me a chance, you don't. Okay. Hey, ma'aminim ba'ashem. They believe in Hashem. She'amuna hilamayla min adas va'asaga because amuna faith is above intellect. So here's the deal. An ama aritz is not somebody who was born to be an ama aritz. He just wasn't educated. An ama aritz doesn't mean he's dumb. He could be smart. He just didn't have a chance to learn. Amoritz means he, it doesn't mean he's dumb. He means he's he's ignorant. So historically speaking, I'm sorry to tell you the truth, women were generally uneducated. They didn't learn. Generally, I mean there were exceptions throughout history, but generally women didn't learn. Doesn't mean a woman is dumb. It means she didn't learn. The point is, even people who were not educated, they didn't learn concepts. Historically, they still had faith. So he explains, yeah, you know why? Because faith and intellect are two different things. And you can have the faith without having the intellect. In fact, everyone, even the person with great intellect, also has faith. Because faith is the source of intellect. Interesting, because a lot of times people think about them as opposites. But we, we, we view it as a spectrum. You understand and understand and understand and understand until you get to a point where your understanding gives out, which is obviously different for everybody. Each person has a different mental capacity. And at the point where understanding gives out, that's where faith is. I'm saying if you're going from below to above, that's you hit the ceiling of intellect and now you're at the ground floor of faith. You could also trace it above to below, where you say there are ideas that I'm connected to in a way that is above cognition because those ideas are inherently too lofty to be comprehensible. But my connection to them on a precognitive level trickles down, so to speak, and eventually I can relate to those ideas on a lower level that is understandable to me, even though that's not the pure archetype of the concept. It's a lower iteration of the concept. Yeah? So we're saying here, faith is the source of intellect. Well, Chochmah, what we're saying now, is that Chochmah and faith are synonymous. Sometimes, other places in Chassidus, Chochmah is one of the intellectual faculties, and it is, they're both true. But in this context, Chochmah is not proper intellect like Bina is, it's pre-intellectual. And that's equivalent to Amuna, faith, yeah. Yeah. And everyone has access to that, even if you don't have a great intellect, or even if you do have a great intellect, for that matter. Is that across the board accepted? Meaning, like, is there machlokas on that? Is machlokas on everything? <laughs> even in Chassidus Chabad, the concept is used differently in different places, which I just said a minute ago. I said it's used. I said, in this context, always remember, don't ever die on any conceptual hill and say this because someone will find another mimer that disproves it. Everything is contextual. Yeah. Chochmah is part of the soul. Soul has ten soul powers, chapter three. And now we're describing in greater detail one of those ten capacities, which is called Chochmah. Yeah. Chapter 17, when they talk about even someone without a brain in their head? 
There could be a woman without a brain in her head. But it's not mentioned in the Tanya. What? That's, that has no exclusion about women there, right? No, it didn't mention women. No, it didn't say. People, okay. right. So tell your detractors. Oh, that's, oh, very good. So when it said, even, right, as long as you have a brain in your head, you could do this. Right. So didn't say, except women. Right. It didn't right. Say, it didn't that. say that. Very good. Uh, yeah. What? Say loud. How is Chochmah and Amunah together? Because Amunah is that which, not that I'm too lazy to understand, but that which cannot be understood. Uh, I think it's easier without the intellect. All the knowledge gets confusing. Yeah, yeah, it is easier without intellect, but if you're an intellectual, you're not allowed to not use your intellect in your relationship with Hashem. What are you going to do? You're going to say, Hashem, I'm an intellectual, but I'm going to use my intellect for other things and not for you? Not allowed to do that. Is this faith transcends intellect? Is this what? Faith transcends intellect. Faith transcends intellect, yes. Faith transcends intellect, yes. Okay. Let's continue. Ki pesi yamen l'chodavr v'orum yovin v'gaymer. Like King Solomon says, a fool uh, uh, believes everything and a crafty person understands. A fool actually is not an insult in this context. It means there's a divine level, a holy level of fool where you say, look, you get to a point where all of us are fools because you're talking about the infinite one. You just can't wrap your mind around it. Okay, when you can't wrap your mind around it, then you accept it on faith. So that's why Amunah is transcending intellect. Very good. Okay. When he comes to the infinite one, we are all fools. Not a put down. It's just true. <coughs> you know, there are people who can use that line to tell you that God makes fools out of us all. <laughs> but it's clearly saying quite the opposite. That God, or a relationship with God, elevates our appreciation of what it means to be a fool. Being a fool is not a put-down here. Being a fool is just a reality. You're talking about something that can't be grasped by an, a, a finite mind. Okay, great. So then I will relate to it with my chachma, with my amuna, with my precognitive faculties. Is this the way that the comes in? No, 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 no. That was all sixteen and seventeen. Okay. like it says, I'm a fool. I don't understand. I'm like an animal with you, Hashem, and I'm always with you, so I'm always an animal. Claimer, it's not a put down. The fact that I know that I don't know is how I'm constantly with you. If I needed, if I insisted on being able to cognitively process everything, I would not be able to have a relationship with Hashem. So the fact that I'm comfortable with the fact that at certain points, even though Jews are people of the book and we study and we study and we study, and we're, we must study, we must use our intellect to, to, to relate to Hashem as much as we can relate to Hashem through the intellect, you get to a point where the intellect gives out, fine, no problem. Then you relate through faith. So how do we get comfortable with and not That's a side, that's, so this is a great example of one, a side conversation that I'm not going to let you get me into. Okay. Okay. Yes, a side, that's a side point. Let's stay focused. Let's stay focused. Remember our point here. We're trying to unleash the chokhmah as a way of producing emotions without having to use the methods of chapter 16 and 17, which were meditation. Don't, don't lose the plot. Okay. Therefore, here's a crazy phenomenon throughout history. Even the wanton sinners, people who were 
totally not religious, wantonly not religious. The majority of times you find that they were willing to die, Al Kiddush Hashem, to sacrifice themselves, to be martyrs. Doesn't say every time, it says Al Raif, majority of times. And they would endure torture not to renounce God or the oneness of God. Even though they were totally ignorant and they didn't know intellectually anything about the greatness of God. And even the, the little bit that they did know, if they knew anything, they never meditated on it. Clearly, when they were giving up their lives for Hashem, it wasn't because of anything they knew or meditated on. Allah, but rather, it was without understanding, without meditation. But rather, why did they do it? As if it were impossible. As if they could not denounce the oneness of God. Without any rational explanation. In other words, what is the Alter Rebbe doing here? He's making an argument. He's saying, historically, we see a phenomenon of irreligious Jews who gave up their lives to defend Jewish theology. Now you're going to say, well, there, there are martyrs in every religion. Yeah, religious martyrs in every religion. What we're saying here is we have people who would publicly eat the ham sandwich, but for some reason when, when, when the parrots would come and say, renounce the God of Israel, no, I, I won't do it. Well, why not? When I read this, I always think about the Daniel Pearl yeah, yeah, that, that, that incident where he was intermarried. Daniel Pearl. He was intermarried. And, in, and how did he die? With like, I'm a Jew, my father's a Jew, my mother's a Jew. So what he's saying is, if you were to tell me that religious people die for their religion, yeah, I know that. Of course they do. People die for a lot of causes they believe in. But what the Alter Rebbe is citing is a peculiar idiosyncrasy of the Jewish people. That we have people who were not committed to the ideology their entire lives. They couldn't be bothered to not eat the ham sandwich. And now all of a sudden they can endure torture and death? Where does that come from? And if you're going to tell me, well, well, well what about people who did convert? He says, the majority of times they, they refused to convert. And, and, and you have to explain that because if it happened once in history, it would be worthy of study. If it happened a thousand times, now it's already statistically significant. But the fact that, unfortunately, it happened millions of times, there's something here. Which is, apparently, there's something in a Jew that has nothing to do with education, has nothing to do with meditation, because we have people who didn't, they didn't receive an education and they didn't meditate and somehow they had this incredible commitment to Judaism, a Judaism that they didn't understand. So where is it coming from, I ask you? Give me one word. Use a word from the chapter. Chochmah. It's a precognitive capacity which was installed in the soul, not because of anything you did, but because who the patriarchs were, they merited to bequeath it to you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's innate, love innate love of Hashem. Innate love of Hashem. You know why the Jew will give up his life for the oneness of God? Because the oneness of God is shining and enlivening his entire soul. Through the Chachma, because Chachma is precognitive. Therefore, it does not require understanding of that which cannot be understood. Which is above understanding. So here's the operative word Chachma. Chachma Shabbanafish. So let, 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 let's summarize the chapter so far. I want to create emotions to get congruent with my behaviors. I have a method. It's called meditation from 16 to 17. 
I'm not sure if it'll ever work, but even if it will work, it's taking a while. Great, I have another method for you. It's going to take eight chapters to, to, to explain, but here it is. The first step in this method is called recognize there is something in you. You didn't make it. You don't have to make it. It already came pre-installed. The always merited to put it in you. And if you can activate that, you will give up your life. You'll give up your life to remain loyal to our shop. It's emotional. It, it, it's not even emotional. No, I mean, like, <coughs> oh, oh, you're saying like, I, that idea is a very emotionally powerful idea? Yes, it is an emotionally powerful idea. Yes, yes. But remember why we're learning it. It is very inspiring when you realize this about every Jew, but that's not the point here. Remember the point here. The point is, I have no idea how to tap into it yet. He didn't tell me how to tap into it yet. I don't even know if it can be tapped into. But if we could tap into this thing, well, we know. We know. We have millions of cases, unfortunately, that prove that if you could tap into this aspect of the soul, you could make any sacrifice to remain loyal to Hashem. Well, if I could tap into that kind of dedication... That would be my emotional congruence with my behaviors. And that happens in the Spanish It happened throughout history. But massively. But again, the point is not, it's not a history lesson. This is not a history lesson. The reason why we're learning this is because I know a phenomenon exists. Unfortunately, there are millions of case studies. I know a phenomenon exists, and that phenomenon is that Jews are able to remain loyal to Hashem in a way that transcends intellect. How do I know that it transcends intellect? Because millions of those people didn't have an intellectual connection to Yiddishkeit. They didn't have an intellectual connection. They weren't educated. And yet they were able to give up everything to remain connected to Hashem. So I know the phenomenon exists. My question is now, can we harness that? If we could harness that, then we could get ourselves emotionally congruent with observing Torah and mitzvahs. Okay? That's one step. That's one step. Okay, that was chapter 18. That's just one step. Again, okay, call it a, a full step. Sure.